The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Ewell, Deputy Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for our latest update on tech stocks. I'm joined once again by my colleague, Eric Savitz, Barron's Associate Editor who covers tech for us from Silicon Valley. Hey, Eric. Hey, Alex. Good to talk to you. You too. So um, the earnings season is is finally wrapping up, thankfully. Um, big, stock, big tech stocks had what I would say was a relatively successful set of earnings, uh, some of which we talked about on our call last uh, two weeks ago. But since we last spoke, we've also heard from uh, Apple and Amazon. So I thought we could just start there with maybe a quick wrap up. What did we learn from those two tech giants? I think your prediction on our call two weeks ago proved accurate in the sense that there were two very different reactions to those reports. Um, so who won Who won the week last week? Yeah, well, Amazon won the week. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. And, um, you know, Am- Amazon headed into the quarter, heading into the quarter, uh, the, the biggest debate about Amazon was what was going to happen to Amazon Web Services. Right. Now, this is their cloud business. Amazon Web Services, like some other cloud providers like like Azure and uh, Google Cloud, had been showing decelerating growth in recent quarters uh, because customers were going through this process that the companies euphemistically called optimizing their cloud spend, which was a nice way of saying they were trying to spend less on the cloud, right. uh, or at least uh, or or at least slow the growth of the spending that they were doing on the cloud. Uh, so that's been going on for multiple quarters, and it it's result it resulted in um, about a uh, uh, maybe a fifty percent or so reduction in the growth rate. Now, the, all these all these businesses are still growing, and, and uh, right. And just to give color there, I mean, basically, for a couple of years ago, we were looking at a cloud business at the major public cloud players where it was like fifty percent annual growth every quarter, right? And then and then we were down suddenly to like the mid teens. Right. So Amazon, I don't think, got quite up to 50, but but the trend was clear, right? They, yeah. It was just slowing down. And so heading into the quarter, uh, there was some concern that Amazon, which, no, remember, Amazon is the largest player here by far. So there's a little bit of a law of large uh, numbers problem for them in terms of their growth rate. But um, there was some fear that they might actually show single digit growth in, in, in the June quarter. Um, I think the consensus was for... 10% growth in revenue April. growth, right? Revenue growth, right? Yeah. Um, they actually did 12, um, which um, made the street very happy. And um, and the implication from the discussion on the call was that this optimization process at many large companies is largely finished, that many companies are now starting to focus more on new projects, um, that they're uh, you know, uh, trying to find new ways to, to, to drive growth. Yeah. And so that was all positive. And they said very optimistic things about uh, the AI offerings on uh, on Amazon Web Services. And, you know, Amazon doesn't get talked as a cloud, as, as an AI play as, right. as some other companies. And, and what, yeah, so that's important. And I think, um, you know, people are particularly happy to hear 
the, uh, the CEO, Andy Jassy, come on the call and say, and by the way, it's important to know that Bezos, who when he was CEO, didn't even come on the Amazon earnings call. So that's already a bit of a of a kind of upgrade for investors, probably. But he came out straight out and said, look, we're seeing we're seeing a bottoming here and we think it's kind of all good from here for the cloud. He kind of gave the the all the the the, the green light for the cloud and, and other companies, other stocks, uh, cloud plays soared on, or jumped on the news too, right? Yeah, that's right. Because I think there was a sense um, uh, as you look at other software companies that have um, a cloud-based business with a consumption-driven model. You know, all these cloud companies have this business model where the more you use, the more you pay. It's like a utility, basically. Yeah, and that's like what Snowflake, even Salesforce, Workday. Yeah, not Salesforce so much, but Snowflake, MongoDB, okay, um, Datadog. There's a bunch of them. Okay, um, and they, they all were up on the news. On that news, yeah. And I think it's important to remember Amazon has multiple uh, plays here. You know, they're they're offering a variety of AI software. They're doing some of their own large language models. They've even designed their own um, AI training chip, uh, which is called Trainium, and um, and an AI inference chip, which is called Inferentia. Um, and so like they're, they're, they're serious about this whole business. And, um, you know, a lot of this work is going to take place in the cloud. Um, there's only so many cloud plays you can, uh, you can look at. And, and so, so we're this really, really, good. Good. We're really, we're really getting some good, um, some clever names out of this AI, uh, bubble, <laughs> aren't we? Trainium and Inferium. Yeah. That's, uh, Inferentia. Inferentia. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, but anyway, I, the other thing I think that's important here is, um, uh, you know, they had a pretty good quarter for e-commerce. They had just come off a week, a, a couple of weeks earlier from, uh, what, what appeared to be a really good, um, Prime Day sales event that seemed to, to exceed expectations. So there's a, there is a sense that Amazon yeah. is, uh, is turning things around. And of and course, yeah, the stock was already up, if I recall. It uh, was. It was up about 50% for the year heading into earnings. And then it rose, what, about 10% on last Friday? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's, um, let's switch gears to Apple. And just for some context, I mean, you and I were covering... Um, Apple and Amazon simultaneously last Thursday evening. And so it was, there was this very natural um, need to compare and contrast the two sets of reports. Right. And they really were quite different. And where, where I think we talked about it really showed up because we just talked about the tone on Amazon's earnings call. On Apple's earnings call, which you know we can talk about some of the results, there was a very different tone set by both um, CEO Tim Cook and the CFO Luca Maestri, right? Yeah, um, Tim almost sounded sedate on the call. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's not you know he he's he's not the most um, animated CEO, generally speaking. But um, uh, but he was uh, he was kind of sedate on the call, and um, it was not a great quarter of Apple. I mean, um, iPhone, which is about half the business, um, iPhone sales were. Uh, a little bit disappointing, down a little bit from the year a prior year, and um, you know, a Apple is in part hurt by serving primarily markets that are currently in distress. So you know, something like seventy percent of the business is iPhones and PCs and tablets. All of those businesses are shrinking at the moment. Um, you know, the Mac is has done better than other parts of the PC business, but it's still still a PC, and yeah, uh, yeah. You know, people still have 
uh, are, there's still kind of a glut of PCs that people bought during the pandemic that they don't yet need to replace. And uh, maybe at some point that will change, but that hasn't changed yet. And so um, there, there's some structural headwinds. And, and with smartphones, I mean, we got so used to, we're used to the fact that PCs aren't a great business for a long time. You know, there was the pandemic exception where they boomed, but we're not used quite yet to the fact that smartphones are sort of, I don't know, maybe they're a decade behind PCs, 15 years behind PCs, but they're, um, they're following a similar trajectory in some way, right? In terms of this slowdown of, of growth. Yeah. And I think one of the key questions is, um, is, is the replacement rate, right? So how right, quickly right. buy a new phone? And I, I think there was some sense with iPhone 14 that the upgrades from iPhone 13 were nice, but not must have. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and now we're heading, uh, you know, we are at least, we, 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 have, we don't have an actual date announced, but presumably we're about a month away, maybe a little more from Apple announcing iPhone 15. Yeah. Um, you know, iPhone 15 is supposed to have some new, um, a few new things. It'll have a USB-C connector because the EU is making him do that to replace the lightning connector. They'll have probably, and it'll be a new processor most likely. And we'll have, maybe we'll get better, more, better battery life. The bezel will be a little thinner, but like, there's not a lot of expectation. This was going to be a revolutionary change. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, the, um, you know, the, the guidance that, um, now Apple doesn't provide detailed guidance. What they said was basically that top line, uh, would be comparable to the June quarter, which implies and, kind of a one, percent decline in revenue and yeah and i just want to call out because you you basically if we take them at their word for this september quarter and then and, and assume you know a small decline in the september quarter this will now be uh that would mark four straight quarters of revenue declines for apple right yes so then, what kind yeah. of growth story is that uh, right so, and i think so that's, that's really question, important right? yeah. yeah i think the real question for apple here and, and look iphone is a fantastic product is a world changing product in a literal sense like yeah. it's, it's, it's it's amazing right and i am a big apple guy i'm sitting here uh on my mac with my iphone next to me you know i i use a lot of apple products so and i'm wearing my apple watch so um i i have great appreciation for what apple does um but as a stock like it's it's priced for perfection it's trading at like you know 30 times forward earnings, seven or eight times forward um, uh, sales. And uh, those are, you know, near record level valuations for a company that's not growing right now. Now I will say, we'll see, maybe iPhone 15 will be better than, um, will perform better than iPhone 14. Uh, we have the Vision Pro uh, uh, mixed reality goggles that are coming early uh, in calendar 24. Maybe that will be a big catalyst for the stock. We don't know. There have yep. been rumors about what they're going to do in AI. I will notice they haven't said much of anything so far about what they're doing in AI. Yeah. Um, I, a little I, hard to know what they're going to do. It is. I will say, I think AI for them will be really interesting. I mean, if they, I think most people would agree that one of the few Apple disappointments in recent years is Siri. If they can use AI to turn Siri into something that's actually useful, you could see them really grow services even more, right? So I think that's, that is the wild card. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, they don't have their own search business. Um, right. 
you know, the, the leader, the early leaders in consumer facing chatbots uh, are logically enough, um, Google and Microsoft, because yeah. they both have search engines. And so they're both building on, um, you know, uh, their, their experience uh, uh, doing that. I, I think uh, Apple, Apple has the potential to do something very disruptive here. If they so choose, they could yeah. uh, um, do something in search. Uh, they could, uh, to your point, update Siri in a way that makes it more conversational. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't think they're going to ignore it, right? I mean, I, they're they're a smart company, obviously. They do. And, and also, I would notice, by the way, I think it's worth remembering, Apple is almost never first at anything. Yep. Like, Apple did the iPhone, like, after, say, the BlackBerry phone. And, like, other there were other smartphones in the market at the time. Yep. When when Apple did, if you go back to the iPod, right, MP3 player time period, they were not the first to market. There were a lot of other ones. Um, they weren't the first with a watch either, right? You had I Fitbit, think, and I mean, they were not the first with the watch. They 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 are very deliberate in their approach, and yeah. so we'll see how it goes. But um, it was not a well received quarter, and you know the stock has uh, you know dropped below uh, the. Three trillion market cap number. In fact, it's it's dropped. Uh, it's down below two point eight. So All right. So yeah. So we have we did have have a bunch of questions about Apple. So I'm glad we spent some time on it. I guess the one um, one question uh, Robob asks uh, Apple for the short and midterm. So is it worth thinking about as a stock if we have to think about Apple sort of short, medium, long term? Um, I, I, that may be a useful way to think about the stock, right? What, 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 does that make sense to you? And, and if so, how would you tell the story short, medium, long-term for the stock? Yeah, I think short-term, um, you, you know, the obviously the focus is just going to be on um, from here is on iPhone 15. Yeah. What do they say about iPhone 15? How do they price it? Um, are there any surprising new features? You know, are, are there, is there something about the, you know, the financial structure of the way they price that might drive more, um, more upgraders. It's hard to tell, but I mean, I, I'm not, it's, it's very difficult to predict well that stock or any stock in the, in the very short term. Um, I think in Apple's case, what we know is that it's going to be about, about iPhone 15 and we'll see. I mean, I, I think um, it is telling to me that the buzz level is relatively muted here compared to some other yeah. years. Um, you know, if you look at a, f a little further out, um, it becomes uh, how will uh, Vision Pro do, right? So Vision Pro is supposed to launch early 14, uh, early 24, as I mentioned. Yep. Um, it's very expensive. It's priced at like, uh, you know, $3,500. That is way above what the average person wants to spend on any consumer electronics device. Right. Um, they would have to get the price down much, much lower. Now, some people are looking at this as kind of a, you know, a public beta kind oh, of a yeah, yeah. progress. Right. right. So I would just say for my part, I think, you know, to, to remain a believer in Apple, even at these valuations, and you, you know, there are lots of good points that it's currently not a growth stock, even though it's priced like one, is that, you know, for the long term, it's still all about the ecosystem and believing that it is so critical to, to so many people and so sticky that Apple has the ability to just continue layering on top of it. And if you right. do so, it, and that's right. the long-term bull case for Apple. Right. I, I would add that, uh, like, so one thing that they did say that was interesting in 
uh, on, on a more upbeat note in, in the quarter was they crossed a billion subscriptions across their services business. Okay, that's an impressive number. That's uh, a really impressive number. Not yeah. too many people have a billion subscriptions. Right. Now that, that includes many different things. Right. Like when you start thinking about a billion users, I mean, Meta gets that, right? But people aren't paying them for it. So right. uh, it's sort of a, it is an impressive number of people to be paying you for a product. Yeah. So lo longer term, the, the, yeah. the longer term thing with Apple is, you know, over long periods of time, it has generally worked out well to own Apple shares. Yeah. Um, Apple tends to be driven by new product development. Um, we have lots of speculation on what they'll do. Cars, you know, yeah, who knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, it, it's a harder thing to decide. I I'd add one other note, which you and I, Alex, have talked quite a bit, quite a bit which is Apple is also continuing to aggressively buy back stock. Yes. And, and I'm right. Yeah. They um they they've sworn they're going to get to you know cash, uh, net cash zero at some point. Uh, they bought back, but they get so much free cash flow that it's taking them a really long time to get there. Yeah. So uh, which is a good problem to have. I mean, they bought back like eighteen billion dollars of stock in the most recent quarter, and I think their cash position was basically flat. It was unchanged. I think at fifty-seven billion in net cash still. So yeah. So they yeah. And here's what they're not likely to do is make big acquisitions, despite ongoing speculation that they'll buy, I don't know, something, Disney, I don't really know. Yeah. But uh, they generally, uh, they have a very long track record of not doing that. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's move into this week um, and what we've been learning about earnings. So it's been slower, but I would argue, and, and kind of smaller companies, but I do think no less interesting. Um, so I wanted to start by by talking about a report that came, uh, I believe, Monday or earlier this week, and it was from this company called Chegg. This might not be uh, that well known a business to all of our listeners, but they're basically a they started as a used textbook marketplace, and they've turned into something of like an education technology platform. They have homework help and such, right. and. Um, Three months ago, they arguably arguably became the first casualty of the AI revolution because on their earnings call, the CEO noted, and maybe this was in their press release also, the CEO noted that ChatGPT was getting significant uh, student interest and that they, quote, believe it's having an impact on our new customer growth rate. So that was a surprise to people. The stock tumbled 50% pretty much on that. In year. one day. In one yes, day. 50%. Okay. So that sets the stage. Um, this week, we get their next set of earnings. You and I talked about it beforehand and said, hey, Chegg could be interesting because everyone's going to want to know what they have to say this time about AI. Well, yeah. sure enough, they come on the call and um, actually, I think also in the press release again and do a complete 180. And their CEO says, we're entering this exciting new chapter. We're taking advantage of AI and we've rapidly pivoted. So and what happened? The stock soared. It's it, fascinating to me because like, you, you sort of, you can say, you know, you could basically just say suddenly you're an AI company and, and you are, I mean, they declared it. Did we see any actual indications that they're an AI company? I mean, what, what, what else did we learn? How significant do you think this Chegg report is in the whole AI uh, revolution? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's symbolic of the fact that um, many companies, um, many, many companies are going to have to change their business models and change the way they they serve their customers to reflect this technology. And uh, Chegg is a fantastic example, right? So they went from, as you say, 
uh, AI is a, a mortal threat to our business <laughs> too. AI is the future of our business. In fact, they, they actually announced a partnership with a AI uh, infrastructure company called Scale AI. It's a um, pretty public company. Okay. Um, uh, to help them develop um, AI tools like a learning assistant um, uh, on Chegg's platform. And uh, to your point, you know, Chegg is a platform where people go to get help, help with homework largely. And, yep. um, and I think there's a sense, I think Chegg would argue that one problem with using ChatGPT is it's not always right. Like it hallucinates, right? It gives you bad information. It um, it, it, there's, it has problems sometimes with their answers. That's not so good if you're doing your homework, right? Like you want to make sure your answers are right. You and I can both tell our kids, you know, don't use any of this for your homework, but that, that may be a, um, wishful thinking. Yeah. Probably wishful thinking for everybody. Um, but, it, but I, I do think it's fascinating and, and it, it is a sign, um, that, um, you know, even, even companies for whom these chatbots represent like a direct threat um, are having to redo their business models. Now, I would note that in Chegg's case, um, this isn't showing up in the numbers yet. They're just making these changes. Um, it's going to take a little while. And I will note, if you go back to what happened um, a couple of weeks ago with Microsoft's earnings, one thing that was telling about Microsoft was well, people are very excited about what Microsoft is doing in AI, and they are very well positioned. They're changing all of their uh, their whole go-to-market strategy in many ways to reflect uh, new uh, new ways for their customers to interact with Microsoft software. Um, what they were clear about is that most of the revenue impact from all of that is still going to be a little bit. Like right, it's, right. it didn't happen overnight. In fact, I would argue that Microsoft shares were a little weak after earnings, largely because people were waiting for the, you know, the AI nirvana moment where it was yeah. just going to drive huge so, revenue growth. So is, it, is it fair to say that we're still very much, I think maybe with the exception of NVIDIA, which has just been selling out, like, you know, selling its AI chips like crazy, for the most part, almost every company out there is still in the kind of talking the talk phase. Very few, very few companies, uh, whether it's Microsoft or even Chegg, are walking the walk yet, right? Yeah, I guess the only, the one exception would be it is having some impact on the cloud uh, businesses, okay, that, okay. you know, like Microsoft Azure um, yeah, and yeah. AWS, which we've talked about, but that's pretty buried inside these much like, you know, large uh, pieces of even larger businesses, right? right so right, right. Uh, it is not the primary driver of AWS or Azure, but it is adding a little growth. So two quarters ago, Microsoft said, Azure would add like a point of growth uh, or, or that AI would add a point of growth to Azure in the June quarter. Then they, this time they said it would add like two points of growth in the September quarter. So like useful, but like that ends up being sort of a rounding error in, in Microsoft. Yeah. Okay. And so and, it'll be a little while. Okay. And of course, if you're an investor, what you need to be thinking about um, is these things tend to take some time to play out. Um, you want to be investing for the growth story, but you also want to make sure that you're not getting ahead of yourselves in terms of, you know, is your portfolio too exposed to a potential delay in AI, which is likely to happen, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's telling that if you look at um, some of the key players here, um, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, you know, Microsoft, they all actually had pretty good quarters. Right, right. Um, and, and like, 
and talked a lot about the opportunity in AI, but AI had nothing to do with why the quarters were good, right? Like Meta talks excessively now about AI, but the, they had a good quarter largely because the ad business got better. And right. the same is true yeah. with Alphabet. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it, yeah. It, so it's a good. It's an option on a lot of these for, for a lot of these businesses. Uh, it's worth keeping in mind. All right. Let's um, let's go to the other. Uh, well, to the biggest earnings report in in tech land this week, which was Disney last night. Um, the numbers themselves were a mixed bag. Uh, I kind of similar to you know an Apple type report. Nothing, nothing to really get too excited about. Um, but there was something ex- more exciting in the in the numbers are in the in the discussion because the stock, which initially fell after hours right. um, during the earnings call, ended up being up as much as five percent. So you can watch kind of that that change and say, oh, what happened? So tell us what 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 did well, happen last night well, with Disney. So, so um, I, I think Bob Iger was like channeling Reed Hastings uh, yesterday. And c- because it's, it, what's fascinating is if you go back maybe a year or so ago, maybe 15 months ago, maybe it was even farther than that, Reed Hastings had this famous moment on the uh, Netflix earnings call where he said, yeah, maybe we're going to start looking into doing some advertising. <laughs> and people went, what? Including, including his own employees, probably. Including his own employees. He said it on a call. Like, there was no press release, nothing. He just said it on an earnings call. And, uh, and of course, that. And he also said, we're looking into, uh, you know, taking some steps to reduce password sharing. Right. And he said that um, on the same call. And, and of course, that's changed this, the, the whole Netflix story, as it turned out. So yesterday, as you say, the earnings were like, meh. The, the earnings were actually... Um, a little better than expected. And I, I, I believe that it is in part because lower production costs because, yeah. Oh, because of the strike. Strike. yeah. Right. But revenue was low, right? Or revenue bit. was a little low. Okay. Um, and uh, parks was was generally, were generally good, particularly in um, uh, in Asia, like Shanghai. Um, hmm. uh, Shanghai uh, Disney um hadn't basically hadn't been opened a year ago. It was right. open for like one day a year ago. So their international parks business was up like 90% or something. Okay. Uh, for, for particular reasons. But anyway, yeah. So they said two things on the call. They said, uh, we're going to raise prices um, for, streaming. For, for streaming for Disney Plus and for Hulu. Um, they later, you know, sort of in the middle of the call announced the details like separately, like not on the call itself. Uh, but they announced that was coming. And they also said well, we're going to take steps to reduce password sharing. It's like familiar story there, right? And um, and and you have to remember, like much like Netflix, um, Disney Plus's subscription growth is minimal. Um, they're they're people, you know, have flocked to it, but like there's not much, uh, particularly in the U.S., there aren't many people left to sign up, and so yeah. they're they doing done, they exactly what Netflix did. They're like, okay, well, we can't grow our subscribers, so what can we do to drive revenue growth? And there's a kind of multi-part strategy, right? So one, uh, we're going to raise prices. Now, I would know, you know, I've talked about this, that um, the price increases in part are intended uh, to drive some of the viewer base to the advertising-supported versions of their subscription uh, options. And that plan did not increase the price, by the way. So they didn't increase the ad price. Uh, they increased the non-ad, uh, the, the ad-free uh, price. And, and, and by the way, just worth yeah. note, one second, worth noting that, like with Netflix, when Disney Plus first launched, 
the advertising version didn't even exist, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, so, uh, so again, much like Netflix, um, and so you know they, they they would happily have everyone on the ad plan because it turns out there's a lot of demand for advertising on streaming platforms. Um, and then again, now they didn't they, again. They haven't announced the details here, but they're going to take this page out of the Netflix uh, playbook and make it harder for people to to share their subscriptions. Um, you know, in, in Netflix's case, they said it when they announced this that there were like a hundred million households. Um, now, but they only have a little over two hundred million subscribers. But that, like over a hundred million households were basically watching and paying nothing. Yeah, and the phenomenon is probably comparable in Disney's case, and um, you know everybody shares with their kids or their parents or whatever, and uh, they think that that's uh, you know they see that as a, as a source of growth. I, you know, I, I, I think it's very interesting. So as you said, and they've clearly followed the Netflix playbook because it's worked for Netflix for the most part, it's helped uh, the subscriber numbers, it's helped the stock. I guess the question is, and I'm interested in your view here, is does Disney Plus content um, carry the same sense of like must have-ness, if you will, that that Netflix content does? And, and will people just so easily either watch all the advertising or pay more for a non-advertising uh, tier the way they did with Netflix? Yeah. So that's a very good question. I think that it depends who the viewer is. Um, yeah. So uh, my kids are older than yours. Yeah. Um, my kids are old enough that really they should be buying their own Netflix subscription. Well, that's a different, that's a separate issue. Right? That is a separate issue. I wish I read about that some, but uh but but they're they're not they're no longer in that sort of like you know core target market for uh for mainstream disney Pixar right exactly content. yeah um, i do think that if you have you know you know preteen tween age kids that probably it's a must-have to have disney now the question is who are you sharing it with right are you sharing it with your kids in college are you sharing it with you know, your parents, like maybe they don't care that much about I, I it. I think that's such a, I think that's a key point, right? Because Netflix just for, you know, however much they've spent on content, they have done a very good job of covering every generation from literally, you know, two years old to, 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 to the oldest watcher out to the oldest viewer out there. I don't think Disney covers the gamut. So like if I, it, you know, are my parents going to really be interested in Disney plus and so if I can't share it with them anymore, are they going to separately sign up for it? And I don't know. I don't really see it. Yeah. I, I've thought about like, uh, so I actually subscribe. I do subscribe to the ad free version of Disney plus um, mostly because I'm kind of a star Wars geek and I, okay. I like yeah, the, there is star Wars. Right. So I, I do like watching, you know, I'm, I love the Mandalorian and stuff, but like, it doesn't feel like there's that deep a set of content for me. Like I don't really need to go back and like rewatch Snow White. So, or Pixar, uh, right. Or, yeah. or most of the Pixar content. Yeah. Um, so it's not as much a must have for me. If I, if I was going to drop a streaming service, that might All be. Right. Well, so it'll be really interesting to um, see if the Netflix, I think bottom line is it'll be interesting to see if the Netflix playbook works as well for Disney and Disney plus in the coming months. Yeah. And it'll take a little while. And I would note that on the, the password sharing stuff, uh, they said they're not going to actually roll anything out until 20, uh, uh, 24. So it, it'll be a little bit. All right. All right. So somehow that though, I think we covered four companies and it took us through almost our entire time. They were, but I think well worth the time. Let's do like a, 
a quick round on a few story, other stories here. Um, sure. One being uh, the potential IPO of ARM, which you know we haven't we don't talk a lot about IPOs these days, but this is going to be a potentially blockbuster IPO uh, pretty soon, right? Yeah. So the people think they're going to file imminently. That um, you know, any day now, maybe right now while we're on the call. Yeah. Um, you know that. So ARM, of course, is a is a chip design house. They design mostly microprocessors. Almost every mobile phone has a processor with an ARM design. Uh, they do, um, uh, there are other applications for ARM designs. It's interesting because ARM, while kind of a chip company, like they don't own any fabs, they don't actually even make any or sell any chips. They sell designs and collect royalties and licensing fees. And now ARM was once a public company. Uh, it got acquired by SoftBank, uh, I think in 20. 16 something like that 17 yeah, yeah. um they uh they had they had got close to a deal a couple of years ago to sell the business to nvidia for like 40 billion dollars um that deal generated huge amounts of opposition because arm licenses its content all over the place and they didn't think it should be uh controlled by one chip maker in that case nvidia so that deal fell apart you know the company is still wholly owned by softbank softbank really needs a win. They've been struggling, uh, losing money uh, lately. They had a, they just reported earnings in their quarter was a little better than has been, but, but they, they will get a windfall if, uh, if this IPO goes as, uh, as they hope. Um, there is the, the IPO market, as you say, is really uh, fixated on getting a, a successful IPO here. The, there hasn't been like a really, significant tech IPO since maybe Mobileye spun out of Intel. Mm. Um, it's been a while. Um, yeah. So okay. we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, there's a lot of talk that um, various technology companies um, might be, uh, might, might uh, agree to invest as part of the, you know, yeah. the, well, the filing. We'll see. Maybe they are, not. I mean, the, the thing to, that's worth noting here is, I mean, ARM is a critical partner to some big companies, right? Including Apple. I mean, you wouldn't, and I think Apple's yeah. been one that's supposedly thinking about, uh, reportedly thinking about investing. You, right. you could see why Apple would be worried to some degree also if they lost, you know, somehow lost some ability, some control with, with or a relationship with ARM. So right. Um, right. now I think one thing, one other thing to keep in mind about ARM, and I know we're going to move on to a couple other things, but uh, is it has no comps. Like no companies look like them, right? You can't just use the, say, well, you know, NVIDIA is trading at this valuation and so ARM should trade at the same Because they're literally like an architect of chips, but they're not a maker of chips. Yeah, they're, they, make, they make designs. And yeah, okay. So um, there, there literally are no companies that look like them. So okay. I'm not sure how they get valued. Uh, there's some, you know, pie in the sky numbers, 50, 60, 80 billion dollars. I don't really know what the number is going to be. Um, a, a big outcome, though, might rev up the IPO market, which yeah. has been dead in the water. And, and we, yeah, no, it'll be really interesting. We can be sure that their team of investment bankers are working very hard right now to come up with those comps or, you know, some kind of comps to come up with a value. Right. Right. OK. All right. Let's do one more, um, because I think it's just sort of a bookend to a story we talked about for so long, which is potentially a bookend, which is that this uh, this week we work, um, which everyone remembers, um, 
issued a going concern notice suggesting um, the end could be near for them. Tell us a little bit about that and um, is WeWork officially uh, over? Yeah, um, wow, what a tragedy. Um, WeWork was, uh, uh, of course, as a, as a company that um, uh, leases real estate um, uh, from in office buildings around the world and then provides access to offices on a short-term basis, right? So uh, short-term office space. Yeah. Um, uh, it's kind of an arbitrage, uh, basically. And um, this was a huge, huge uh, uh, disaster for SoftBank. They, they invested huge amounts of money, have largely written, written off most of their investment, um, uh, they just misjudged uh, the market. And WeWork uh, in recent quarters, the theory on WeWork has been, well, you know, less people are going into offices. Um, there should be more office space available so we can, our leases can be cheaper. And um, there might be more people looking for short-term office space mm -hmm. because their offices are closed. And uh, well, turns out that's not how it's played out. Um, they're just less people going to offices is kind of where, just less yeah. people going to offices, whether they're actual offices or like short-term offices, yeah. people are just working from home. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so it hasn't played out. So this week, uh, they announced that they had, they issued what's called a going concern, uh, notice, which is basically a warning that they were at the verge of insolvency and might have to go out of business. And, uh, there were some other things that have happened. They, there was a recent CEO change this week. They, they had huge turnover in their board of directors and all the people they added were like bankruptcy and workout specialists. So like they, they're preparing for the worst here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the stock uh, fell sharply on this news. Um, there's not much left of the market cap. Most of the value is on the debt side of the, uh, the balance sheet at this point. Um, you know, there's still, it's still kind of a black eye for um uh, for SoftBank. And, you know, the other element of this is if it really just, if they really had to just shut down, they have like huge amounts of uh, office space under their control. They're one of the largest lessers of real estate in, in Manhattan, for example. Yeah. So yeah. there's, there will be ramifications uh, for this if, if no one figured us out a way to save the day for WeWork. Um, it's really it's interesting. Well, this of course goes back, you know, this was the Adam Newman company that yeah. you know, who was like this outlandish founder CEO who got pushed out because of some of the sort of uh, questionable business practices that he was engaging in. You, know, you can watch the movie um, if you want to learn more about WeWork yep. and Adam Newman. But um, yeah, it's kind of a tragedy and the stock's down to like, I don't know, 15 cents or something like that. And I think, you know, as we talk, it's always good to have these stories in mind when you talk about technology, when you talk about investing in technology, you know, they're, they're the things that work out fabulously well. Like you mentioned the iPhone, change the world. And then they're the ones that, uh, that don't. Yeah, like <laughs> like we work. Not change the world, doesn't turn no. out. All right. So that's actually all the time we have, Eric, but I think that's a good, a good place to end. So thank you again for, for being here. Thanks to our okay. listeners. Um, and please join us again tomorrow on Barron's Live. Danielle Hale, the chief economist of Realtor.com, and Zach Zeldner, who's a founding agent of Compass Boulder, are going to be talking about the emerging real estate markets in the country, as well as the, the latest WSJ, Realtor.com, Emerging Housing Markets Index. So thanks again, and uh, have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.